Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Um, let me just begin this morning by uh, just recounting a, a social experiment that was carried out by the Washington Post in Washington. And what they did was, <coughs> excuse me, they hired a violin player and they asked him to go and play uh, the violin in a railway station. Uh, and he played it for about an hour, got about $20, was busking, um, and they videoed it. We won't video it, but you can hop online and watch it on YouTube. And as he's playing the violin for that hour, people are just going in and out, mostly going past him, mostly ignoring him, doing the routine that you would expect for uh, people living their daily life. Um, right at the end, with about five minutes to go, one lady stands in front of him and uh, just listens to him and right at the end she, she, she claps and says, that, that was wonderful. Uh, I know you. I saw you last week. Now the man playing the violin wasn't an ordinary man. He was actually the top violin player in the world. Playing the world's most expensive violin insured at $3.8 million. And he was playing the most difficult piece ever written for the violin by Johann Sebastian Bach. So in the middle of people's routine life going in and out, here was something which was uh, extremely uh, superb, extremely supreme uh, and extremely magnificent. And it's a wonderful way for us to think on Father's Day. I like Father's Day. Uh, Every day is Father's Day. Isn't it? Every day is Mother's Day. Yeah. Every day is Father's Day. But when we come and come together, particularly in a church context, to do Father's Day, what it does is it reminds us that we focus on someone who loves us supremely, someone who is magnificent in their own right, the maker and creator of the whole universe who is there every moment of our daily life. In the middle of our routine, in the middle of our comings and goings, in the middle of all our busyness stands someone who is supreme, someone who is magnificent. And it's good for us to remember that and to be like that old lady who stops and listens and says, you were wonderful. I remember you. I met you yesterday. And God stands in that place. And in the middle of our routine, in the middle of our hustle and bustle, he's standing there saying, I'm here. I'm for you. I'm your dad. He's not like a dad. He's not like a father. He is your dad. He is your father. And Eden mentioned it before. Sometimes Father's Day can be difficult for some people because we have fathers perhaps haven't lived up to what we would like them to live up to. And as difficult as that is, we sometimes have to park that and remember that before my father, before my mother, God was. My true father is my father in heaven. In John chapter 1, we read this, yet to all who did receive him, this is speaking of Jesus, to all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And when we read through the scriptures, what we actually see is Jesus and the Father are quite entwined and enmeshed in our relationship with God the Father. Jesus is the way to the Father, but the Father provided Jesus to make the way for us. And so all who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a right. 
It's not if you do the right thing. It's not if, not if you tick all the boxes. It's not if maybe one day. It's not maybe if I get it all right. God has given you in Jesus Christ the right to be called and to claim everything as the son and the daughter of God. Children born, not of natural descent, not of human decision, not of a husband's will, but born of God. So when I believed in the name of Jesus, I was born again and I gained another parent who was always there, but one I was able to acknowledge and understand. And as much as Tom and Hermione, they were my parents, as much as Tom and Hermione were wonderful for me, they actually weren't the first people who loved me. They were the second people. Because before Tom and Hermione, God loved me first. He's not like a father, he is my father. And what he did was just place me into the hands of Tom and Hermione and they did a great job. So I was born again and I discovered I have another father, my first father, my real father, who came before them, who knew me before them, who knows my very inner workings and always has, who formed me in my mother's womb, who put the gifts in me, put the personality in me and put my purpose in me. I discovered I've got a home in heaven. Dads create homes. I have a home in heaven and I have a whole new family. You people, but before that, I'm adopted into the family of God. What's the family of God? Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And that family says, come and join me. Come and join us. We're adopting you and we're giving you everything that comes with being in our family. And all the brothers and sisters who like me, this is you, we've experienced God's abundance of love and grace. And so we want to transform our minds. The Bible says transform your minds. It's a great spiritual battle that we have to see ourselves and to walk with ourselves each day the way that God wants us to and the way God has purposed us. And seeing God as our Father and accepting that is really the significant revelation and understanding that Jesus gave us. In Hebrews 1, we read this. I love this scripture. I love every scripture. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So God speaks to us in two ways through the prophets. And how did the prophets know God? They knew him as God Almighty. They knew him as Yahweh. They knew him as Jehovah, the one who sent the plagues, the one who parted the sea, the one who was in the Holy of Holies that I couldn't get to unless you were of one family, of one tribe, one time of the year, a remote and a distant God. But God wanted to reveal himself as Father, He's supreme, he's almighty, but there's an aspect of fatherhood that captures something about God. So God wanted to reveal himself as father, but there was only one person in the universe who could do that. That was the son. So God has spoken to us through the prophets, but only Jesus could reveal him as father. That's why Jesus came, one of the reasons that he came. There's something in a father-child relationship that reflects God more fully and gives us that more complete picture of him.
But Jesus didn't just reveal him as father. Because father, you know, hello father. Hi father, good to see you. There's a formality with that term. You know, there's a about provider and, and being a protector, something that commands respect, which is that aspect. But Jesus refers to him as Abba. I like to say Abba, but I, I work with a Jewish person. He said, don't say Abba. It's not Abba. It's Abba. Abba Father, which has the con- closest connotations for us as dad. Our Father in heaven is like our dad. It speaks of warmth, kindness, acceptance, Favour, understanding, intimacy, protection and closeness. And one of the spiritual battles we have, I think, is overcoming that thought in our head that we're not worthy of that. That we're not living up to that mark where we make ourselves acceptable to God. And like it or love it, like it or not, God loves you the way you are. The greatest thing we can do for God, I believe, is to include him. I hate being ignored. I'd mu- I love to be loved, or I love not to be loved, but the thing that is worst is when you're just ignored. And so the greatest thing I think we can do for God is to include him in our lives. So Jesus doesn't just refer him, reveal him as Father, it's Abba, Father. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane praying, he goes, God, Abba, Father, Dad, my beloved, you're kind, you're loving, you're intimate, you understand me, take this cup away from me. He's not praying to a distant God. God makes it very clear, I am not a God who is far away, I am a God who is close. Often we read in the Bible, have some quiet time. And God whispers to people, why do you whisper? Because you're very, very close. You're very, very near. And that's who God is. And that spirit of Abba, that spirit of seeing God as your dad, is given to us. Paul writes in Galatians 4, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father, So that relationship that Jesus had with the Father, close, intimate, is the same relationship that God is trying to get us to walk in. He says, the same spirit that I put into Jesus, I'm putting into you. By that same spirit that in that garden, Jesus calls out, Abba, Father, that's the spirit I'm giving you. Come, come to me. I welcome you. If I had time, I'd get someone to come up here and give a big hug. That's how God sees us. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, since you are his son or his daughter, God has also made you an heir. How much more, the Bible says, having given Jesus his son, how much more will God give us everything? We are his heirs. If we're his children, we're his heirs. If we're his children, we've got an inheritance laid up for us. The challenge for us is to, the spiritual battle is to see ourselves the same way that God sees us. So he says, wake up, I've, sent, I've given you the same spirit that Jesus had. Jesus was my son, you're my son, you're my daughter. And that's what God has called us to. 
Whenever Jesus heard the voice of his father, it was favourable, it was affirming, it was positive. It happened a number of times, the transfiguration. The most common one is when we see it at his baptism. And in Matthew 3, when Jesus comes out of the water, Jesus hears the voice of his father. We want to hear the voice of the father. If you can't hear it audibly, you can catch it in your heart or your spirit. If you can't catch it in your heart or your spirit, don't lead on your own understanding. Lead on what the scriptures tell us. And when Jesus comes out of the water, this is what the scriptures said. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You are a beloved daughter. You are a beloved son. Because as God speaks of Jesus, he speaks of us. When Jesus in John 17 is praying before he goes to the cross, he says, God, I pray, I thank you how much you have loved me, but what I pray is that you will love them, that's us, with the same love that you loved me. And so he speaks of Jesus, he says, you are my beloved son, I am well pleased. In Mark 1, in the Passion Translation, you are my son, you are my cherished one, you are my greatest delight. Please, that's not me speaking. Let me read that again. That's God speaking to us today. You are my son, my daughter, my cherished one, and my greatest delight is in you. What's said of Jesus is said of you. Beloved, cherished, greatest delight, most pleasing. It's our greatest spiritual task to claim that truth that we are the beloved son or daughter of God. God is closer and kinder than any earthly father. He's our first love. He's not like your dad. He is your dad. Before your dad was God or is God. So we struggle hard to accept ourselves and see ourselves the same way that God sees us. But no matter what I have, no matter what I do, no matter what people say about me, my reputation, I belong to God and I am his beloved child. So it's interesting for me, because I'm a dad, that God chooses fathers and sons, and his mothers as well, it's parents, uh, to reflect his image. And so I I remember when I became a dad, uh, I went, oh, I understand God a lot more because I'm in that relationship. So let me share two things that I've learned about God from being a dad. I actually had a big long list, but I'll give you the big two that really struck me. Number one, there's no personal space between me and my children. There is now because they're a bit older. All right? But I remember when I had, had, this is where God is not like us. You know, he, he loves us as much as he loved us on the first day. I love my sons, there's two of them there, as much as I did. I can still clearly remember the day they were born. I just don't enjoy the person close this personal space between us now because they're older. Right? But I remember being struck by no personal space and the closeness and the intimacy that I had with my children. I could go up and do the little blurter on their tummies. I wouldn't do that with anybody else. And they loved it. I remember when I changed nappies. Uh, I didn't mind getting the poo on my fingers. Well, I'm a dad. You use one wipe. Dads, one wipe for everything. Because <laughs> I'm a dad, I'm keeping an eye on the, on the budget. <laughs> right? But that's only because I'm, I'm close. I would, 
give me another baby to change and pull out the wipes. I don't want to. But my own, doesn't matter how dirty they were, how smelly they were, I loved them. They did not have to fix themselves up to come into my presence. And we fall into that trap thinking we've got to pick ourselves up. As messy or as dirty as they come, my children are welcome. So I remember feeling that closeness and that intimacy that I didn't have with anybody else, and that's how God sees us. In Psalm 139, let me read this. I've changed the words a bit to make it more personal. All right? And I really believe we want to hear this today and receive it into our spirits. I formed your innermost being. I shaped your delicate inside and your intricate outside. I wove them together in your mother's womb. I even formed every bone in your body. When I created you in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping you from nothing to something. We owe it all to God. I saw who I created you to be before you became you. Before you'd even seen the light of day, the number of days I planned for you were already recorded in my book. Do you ever feel insecure about what's going on in your life? You don't have to. I get it. But we've got a God who's our dad who has it covered. Before you'd even seen the light of day, the number of days I planned for you were recorded in my books. They're planned, they're written. God will not be moved. Every single moment I am thinking of you. How precious and wonderful to consider that I cherish you constantly in my every thought. How is that possible? I don't know. That's why Paul prays, give me the power to understand how much love God has for us. Every single moment I am thinking of you. How precious and wonderful to consider that I cherish you constantly in my every thought. I'm your father. My desire is toward you more you are more. My desires toward you are more than the grains of sand on every shore. For when you awake each morning, I am still with you. Like the man playing the violin in the corner. Magnificent, superb supreme i am with you when you wake up every morning let's be like that woman you are wonderful i know you i saw you yesterday and i'm going to see you tonight and i'm going to remember that when i wake up in the morning you're going to be there with me tomorrow our father is the most knowing of you the most aware of you the most accepting of you he knows your strengths, your weaknesses, your beginning and your end. He knows what you're thinking, your gifts and your personality. So we can be honest with him. We can be open because he knows it anyway. Has anyone done that sort of thing where you're thinking, I won't say that to God, I'll just pack it away because he won't be. Anyone done that? Get it out. He made us, he knows you from the beginning. I know what my two boys are thinking before they even do. I'm exaggerating a little bit, you know, but they think I don't know what's going on, and I do. Right? And God knows it even more than you. Secondly, things I learnt about God from being a dad. I want to be the go-to guy. I love it when they go, Dad, money. 
I love it when they call, Dad, can you fix this? I want to do it. I want to be there for them. I can't help it. Why? Because I love them so much. What is it that you need to be crying out for to God? Don't hold it back because he wants to be there. He wants to be the problem solver. From dislocated knees three times. Tom. From croup and having to sleep in a hospital bed, hospital chair, sorry, for three nights. Tom. Having to go to emergency because someone fell off the skateboard and got concussed. Tom. <laughs> there were lots of other things with the other boys. <laughs> teaching them skills, teaching them to surf, to kick a football, changing light globes for them, choosing career pathways. I want to be there for every aspect of who they are, where they're going. I want to solve their problems. When you search the scriptures, the word cry comes up a lot, particularly in the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is that book that teaches us how to talk to God. Over and over again, we read of people crying out to God. And they call on God just like I call on God. And he wants to be there, like when I hear my kids and God says amazing things through the book of Psalms. He says, when you cry out to me, I hear and I listen. When I hear the cry of someone who is afflicted, I cannot ignore it. God says, if you're hurting, confused or lost, when you cry out, I am there. God says he is close to the broken hearted. He is close to those who cry out and admit we've messed it up. I'm lost, I'm confused, I'm damaged here. God says, I am there, I hear you. It's such a false idea that God is only looking for people who have no problems. He's God, but he's going to search a long time to find someone with no problems. Who have everything nailed down, who are always happy. No, just like a parent, whatever those situations and circumstances, God's heart is to solve that problem loves us always, bring it to me. Give me your problems, I will take care of it. What did Jesus say? I'm not looking for the healthy, I am here for the sick, those who need me. I remember when we were young, I think it was Tom again actually, and <laughs> he was only little and we were going for a walk down at Walpole over this headland and uh, I was carrying him because he was only little. And you go, can you carry me? Yeah, sure. Solve that problem. And then a big squall came up and it got really, really stormy and he got really scared. And so I, I didn't get scared because I'm a dad. Dads don't get scared. So I picked him up and I'm holding him and he's fretting a bit because it is getting really stormy really, and we we're in some trees. It was really. And I'm going, I've got you. I know the way home. We're going to get through this. And he's still fretting. I'm holding him really, really close. And that's the heart of God in our difficult situation. We feel like we're in storms and challenges. And I know for Tom, he'll, he won't even remember that. But let's say he was a little bit older and he could remember it. He'd remember there was a storm and Dad carried him through. What I remember is it's actually one of the most closest, intimate and precious times of my life. Because it's when I held him so close and I could encourage him. So whilst he was going through a storm and challenge, 
our Father in our storms and challenges is right there and he's encouraging us. And it's when we run to him and bring our problems to him, he's loving that. Because if there's anything that our Father wants from us, it's to be included. It's to be considered. Jesus says in Matthew 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The Passion Translation says this, Your Father cares deeply about even the smallest detail of your life. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, talking of us, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You're in the hand of Jesus. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. We're in the hand of Jesus. We're in the hand of the Father. And then it says, I and the Father are one. This is a wonderful image. I and the Father are one. We're in the hands of our Saviour Jesus. We're in the hands of our Father. So we can live in security. We don't need to carry heavy loads. We can trust him because we have a father who manages and watches over sparrows. Lastly, for this morning, what did I learn about God from being a dad? We live to sacrifice. We live to make our children's lives better. And someone has to pay that price. Mums and dads. Mums do this as well, but it's Father's Day. So we prepare to pay that price. If there's not enough cake or curry to go around, oh, I'm not hungry, I've had enough. We need a frying pan. Oh, get that for Christmas, that can be my Christmas present. Taxi, 24-7, free. <laughs> Incorporating free childminding now. But there's nothing that holds us back from wanting to give to make our children everything they can possibly be. And in the same way, God our Father gave the most precious, the most valuable sacrifice of all, the gift of his son, Jesus. He gave to free us from sin and death. If I love you, I might give my life for you. There's no way I'd give my child for you. I must love you super, super to do that. So the most precious, valuable sacrifice and act of love in the history of the universe was when God, our Father, couldn't stand to see us in sin and death, but paid the price and gave the sacrifice. He left nothing back. In John 3.16, For God so loved us that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes on him will have eternal life. 1 John 4, we love because God loved us first and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. In Jesus, our father dealt with the two enemies, sin and death, and opened the way for total restoration. So how do we enjoy, how do we reaffirm, how do we reacquaint ourselves with our father in this father 
parent-child relationship. We need to look to Jesus. I come back to where I started. The Father and the Son are entwined and enmeshed in our relationship with our Father. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's scripture. So as we come to pray and as we come to regard our Father here today, we look to Jesus to show us the way. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And Jesus will not hold that truth back from anyone. Jesus will reveal the Father to us. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn for me, from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's Jesus speaking of? Why is his burden or yoke light? It was to do the Father's will, not his own will. Jesus is talking to the apostles one day and he says, they say, aren't you hungry? He says, the food I have is to do my Father's will. Jesus, come over here, come over. No, I must be about my Father's business. I'm here to do the Father's will. So as we ask Jesus to reveal his fa- our Father to us, he's going to point us in his direction. Jesus, what ha- come to me. How can I release my burden? How can I make myself light? And Jesus will point to the Father and he'll go there. That's how you do it. Look to the Father. Look to him. And you will find a new sense of belonging, a new sense of rest, your true identity, your home, your security, and the most fulfilling of callings to please the Father. And our Father will never waver. He will forever support. He will never abandon. And he will ensure that he is there at all times for you. He will sacrifice to make our life better. We have a heart created by God and only God's presence will satisfy it. Every other love, every other pursuit will be a partial fulfilment. Real for a time, but limited in its scope. Only in close, loving recognition, inclusion of our Father in our life, do we find true fulfilment. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful word. Father, we thank you for your love. And here, Lord, as we take this moment, we look to make things right with you if that's what we need to do. Father, we come here to reacquaint ourselves with you, to put you first in our life. So Jesus, speak to me this morning. We believe in you. We ask that you reveal the Father's heart to us more fully. 
Jesus, we come to you this morning. We exchange our burdens for your burden, which is light and easy, a love and pursuit of our Father's presence, his will and his purpose. Jesus, we acknowledge you as our Lord, as our Saviour. Your sacrifice on the cross paid for my sins and I receive your forgiveness and I walk in that promise of eternal life. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in our life. We know you are close to us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you are our ever-present help in times of trouble. We honour you. We seek after you. And in all things, to you be the glory, the kingdom, the power forever and ever. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.